The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on the Horn. It is a Monday afternoon, and we've got a lot to catch up on over the weekend. Uh, lots of news went down. There was a lot of news that happened at the end of Friday's show, so we got to catch up on that. We'll get into the NFL playoffs. Uh, NFL wrapping up. Week 18, there wasn't supposed to be a lot of fireworks, but there were. And then some more today as coaches being fired. Uh, more coaches expected to be relieved of their duties uh, also, some some late touchdowns rattling people up. We'll get into that. Talk a little NBA. Draymond Green's suspension is over. He talked about that, and we'll get into all of that. And I don't know if you know, there's a national championship game tonight, Michigan versus Washington. Uh, we'll talk about that game as well. Of course, with a lot of Texas football news thrown in as well, and Texas basketball takes a bad loss on Saturday as well. We'll recap that. Recap everything over the weekend and get... To your text messages, 512-447-3776 is the text line number. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. If you guys got want to talk about anything, hot takes, any any uh, questions or comments or what you got coming up after the show or after the weekend of sports and uh, after what happened with uh, NFL playoffs being set, if you have predictions for the NFL playoffs, predictions, for the national championship game, make sure to throw all those in on the text line, 512-447-3776. You guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. It was a good weekend. Uh, got to see some friends. Got to have a good time. Uh, enjoyed watching a lot of games. And anytime the Texans make the playoffs and, you know, I'm back on the Texas bandwagon. If people don't know, I left the Texans bandwagon a few years ago. I was with them from the very beginning. Uh, when they formed the teams, I grew up, and as a young younger man, younger kid, I was an Oilers fan. Uh, I grew up, my family was Oilers fans, so I was an Oilers fan. When they left, I was a man without a team, and you you tried to go around and see what you could find and, and who you were going to support. Uh, it ends up the, the Texans get a team uh, as I'm starting to become a man, so I, I jump on board and I say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a Texans fan. was with the Texans uh, for a long time, and then in the Bill O'Brien era, uh, I was getting more and more mad, and was I'm not going to spend any money on these Texans until they fill out fire Bill O'Brien, the DeAndre Hopkins debacle, and all of that. It just kept getting worse and worse. And then you bring in, uh, I can't even remember his name now, uh, but little little finger that you bring in the, uh, the the jerk from uh, from the Patriots, the the fake pastor who moved up, and I can't even remember his name now, which is a good thing. Uh, I see him tweet every once in a while, and everybody in Houston football just just roast him, but you bring him in, and it just gets worse and worse, and 
you know, you have, you're tanking, but you're not getting the guys you want to get and everything's not turning around and you're not able to get what you want to have happen. Uh, but then, and so I basically just left the team until I wanted Calvin to sell the team quite frankly, but eventually he seems to turn the corner. Uh, they're a Jack Easterby is the name. I knew it would come to me. Uh, but eventually they end up selling, you know, they get, uh, things going the right direction. I like the hire of D'Amico Ryans. I was a fan of his when he was on the Texans, so I was really happy with that hire. Uh, I was happy when uh, they went all in in the draft and said they're not screwing around anymore. They saw two guys they wanted, and they went after the two guys they wanted. Seemed to be the right pick on both of those. Getting in uh, C.J. Stroud, who seems to be the guy. You know, when you draft a quarterback, you're just hoping to know after a year or two you're just hoping to know you don't want to get stuck in that Desmond Ritter position of maybe, maybe there's glimpses. You want to know, is there a guy? And then you get a C.J. Stroud who has one of the best rookie seasons uh, of any quarterback, and you, you see the potential of what he could possibly become there. Uh, you get uh, Will Anderson, who, uh, you know, his senior season at Alabama wasn't as great. Some people thought he wasn't going to transfer to the NFL level. Uh, seems to be doing great. You know, just got to be able to stay on the field, but that's another thing we talk about in college all the time. Uh, about getting your getting your your conditioning up to the level of play that you're in, and I know he came from a great program in Alabama, so he's it's not like he wasn't in the you know in good condition and in good shape and in good muscles and all that and and everything you got to have to be able to play at that level. But the reality was getting to the NFL, you just have to change up your routines a little bit more. You know, you're no longer a student athlete; you are now a 100% all-of-the-time football player, so that kind of takes a different toll on your body, but he will continue to work on that. But they, they get those guys. You go get a guy like Tank Dell, who turns out to be great. You know, Some of the guys like Nico Collins start to be figuring it out. The, the questions we had uh, when they put this staff together, and it seemed like you really should have brought in somebody to be a part of this team that had some more experience because basically everyone on this staff was doing the biggest job they'd ever done and was taking on a new role that was the biggest job they'd ever done. And there was no one to kind of lead everybody and help them along. And when you look at that, it's sometimes pretty scary. And you could tell, I think, at the beginning of the season with young players and young coaches that there was a, a big learning curve. However, that leaves you now saying, man, the future is bright. And yes, you know, there's going to be a learning curve in the, curve in the playoffs for the Texans as well. There's going to be that learning curve uh, if, if you're able to overcome uh, obstacles, if you can prepare correctly, if you're ready to host a game uh, against a Cleveland team that has at least, you know, maybe some people on the team that have a little bit more experience, even if the Browns are not necessarily the most experienced playoff team, you have to worry about that. But the future is bright for Houston. They, of course, win the game on Saturday, uh, Saturday evening, 23 to 19 over the Colts. Uh, it basically. Uh, they get the win there that guarantees them a playoff spot. They're happy leaving the arena, or leaving the stadium, leaving NRG, or leaving, I'm sorry, they were in Indianapolis, uh, leaving, what's it, Lucas Oil Field. Uh, they're happy leaving that. Then you get this story the next day, and we'll get into that in a second, that the Titans handle business and go out on a losing season but win big over Jacksonville. They win the AFC South. It is a great turnaround for this Texans team that you're able to see this uh, but that Texans Colt game, it was close. You know, we all know that the fourth down play, the, you know, you can question what Steichen had drawn up. That you know, sometimes it felt like a Stark play. It felt like that we got to confuse them or throw them. You know, we got to 
we got to try this thing, and they'll never see it coming. But there's a reason they didn't see it coming, because you were throwing to a guy who hadn't targeted all game and hadn't run all day. He hadn't got a touch all day long, and he's your guy on the most important play of the game. Uh, but there was some negatives of this game, too. There were some things that you're going to have to worry about when you for the Texans uh, going forward. Uh, they basically, the run game both ways for the Texans is going to need some work that it was very exposed against the Colts. And you know the Browns are watching that, and so you're going to have to worry about that. Uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor gets 188 yards to 6.1 yards per carry. Zach Moss gets five yards per carry in that game. And for Darvin Singletary, he's under three yards per carry, uh, 63 yards. Damian Pierce didn't even carry the ball in the game. So, so not great numbers running game-wise either way, which is, you know, if you know me talking about the Cowboys, and I'll get to the Cowboys in just a minute. You got to have that running game, especially once you get in the playoffs, to be able to control the time a little bit more and not just play gunslinger. But the Texans may have to be doing that uh, against a Browns team that's very good with a very good pass rush, uh, and they're going to need a big game from Nico Collins. Nico dominating this game, of course, that seventy-five yard touchdown on the first play. C.J. Stroud said he just gave him a chance, and he went up there and got it. Uh, but great to see the Texans handle their business, get the AFC South championship, host a game against the Browns coming up on Saturday afternoon. And then on Sunday, we saw the Cowboys handle their business 38-10 to over the Commanders. It was a slow start. There was a little worry that maybe the Cowboys had looked past this game and maybe the Cowboys uh, weren't taking the Commanders as seriously as they needed to, and they knew the Commanders wanted to lose to get that better pick so that they really had to, you know, they, they knew they, the Commanders didn't want to win and the players want to win. But they knew the team didn't want to win and that you're supposed to be tanking for the pick and the, the ownership would prefer them to lose the game. And I don't think they came in with the right attitude. The good news was they were able to turn it on. Uh, we saw that uh, Deron Bland gets another big interception, puts a cap on a great season for him with Trayvon Diggs out. He put on a great season. Uh, Stephon Gilmore had a good game until he gets hurt in the game. Uh, and But the great news after the game that none of that seemed to be uh, massive structural damage, and he's planning to play in wild card weekend, so you're good to see there for uh, for the secondary that those guys are stepping up and playing good in a place where sometimes that is an issue for Cowboys, an issue for a lot of teams, is that secondary. And then to see the most promising thing, and I get, I get this is a commander's team that trade away the two best, their two ends, and this is a commander's team that is basically rebuilding that D-line, and it's not very good, and they're going to have to do a lot of th- work on defense. But this was the best game from Rico Dottle. This was the best game from Tony Pollard of yards per carry and just getting yards when they need it. Both average over four yards per carry, and that's what you need to see as this team continues to get into the playoffs, that you need to be able to see the production in this run game for the Cowboys to be able to make a good run in the playoffs. I mean, we saw Jerry Jones come out uh, today, or yeah, today, and when they were asked about Mike McCarthy, and you know, you expect that he's won 12 games in the regular season, three straight years, and we knew going into the season it's all about the playoffs, but 12 games that you maybe have a little bit more of job security than Mike McCarthy has, which is basically, we can all say, if Mike McCarthy loses game one, which they shouldn't, if they do, then I don't know if he has a job. I think that that's a point where you have to say, well, that's clearly there's something wrong. But we've seen what his progress is. And I'm not a big Mike McCarthy fan, but you have to give credit where credit is due. And with the progress we've seen with Dak Prescott this year, 
the progress we've seen in this Dallas Cowboys offense. CeeDee Lamb has taken it to another level. Now that was, it shouldn't have taken you six weeks to figure out to just throw the ball to CeeDee Lamb. I know we were pounding that early in the season, just throw the ball to CeeDee Lamb, and he's able to be able to show up and do what he needs to do. But the Cowboys get their win. Mike McCarthy shows that he can be a play caller. That I think his play calling has progressed throughout the season. I, I like the fact that the Cowboys team, when they didn't come in with the right attitude and didn't come in the way they need to be, were able to respond. Now you'd like that they would have shown up and just shut the commanders out and it never would have been close and they would have just dominated. That would have been better, but in the grand scheme of things, uh, to be able to have the leadership on the sideline and, and the, the, the wherewithal on the team to realize you're the better team, you need to go out there and handle your business and then go handle your business. Sometimes it doesn't happen like that. Sometimes it doesn't happen like that because we saw that in Jacksonville. We saw that in Jacksonville. That this is a Jacksonville team that continued to stick Trevor Lawrence out on the field and continued to just put everything on his shoulders, not try and run the ball, not try and build any sort of other offense. Put everything, and I know you got good wide receivers, and when Christian Kirk went down, it, it hurt their offense because they really were built on having three good wide receivers with Zay Jones and Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley, and that was kind of the entire basis for this this Jaguars team. But I, I it, it, you can't take a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who is not the guy, and maybe still some point in the future it clicks over and he becomes a guy. And, yes, he needs to have his legs to be super effective as a, as a quarterback because – once you take out his scrambling ability and he is just a pocket passer, he's not an elite pocket passer. And they continue to put him out there hurt and continue to not let him heal. And it ended up costing him because they just got diminished returns and diminished returns. He has an okay game, 280, two touchdowns, but he has two interceptions. And Tennessee and Mike Vrabel is able to put up a defensive plan to say, look, they're not going to run. They're going to put everything in Trevor Lawrence's hand, and he can't run. So just go out there and play good defense. Make him have to think twice. And what did the game end with? Him throwing two passes too high because the coverage was pretty good. And, I mean, if he were throwing better passes, they could have picked up a first down, kept it going. It doesn't matter. They end up losing. They drop from a pretty much sure thing four or five weeks ago to win the AFC South to not making the playoffs. I still like Doug Peterson as a coach, but I think that the short-sightedness of this Jaguars coaching staff to continue to put Trevor Lawrence, and I know he wants to play, but he's not good enough of a quarterback to demand that he goes in the game every time. Put, put him on the bench. Tell him he's got to get better and healthy so he can run because that's when he's going to be effective. You can't ham, hamstring yourself for the last five weeks of the season when you could have rested him six, seven weeks ago when he started to get beat up. And you could have said, okay, well, those first injuries, let's take them out instead of compounding injuries. And you'd probably still be there. As a Texans fan, I'm fine with it. Good job, Jaguars, throwing away the end of the season. Another team throwing away the end of the season. Also, I want to mention there, Derrick Henry. Man, if you want to put some, when they say put it on film for your resume, you're updating your resume, and sometimes you're updating your resume, and you realize, oh, man, I need to put, I need to judge this up, make it look a little bit better. That's what Derrick Henry did. Said, oh, no one thinks I still got it. Runs for 150 yards and a touchdown in that game. One of the big reasons the Titans win is because Derrick Henry can't be stopped. Uh, it was fun to watch a guy just kind of stick it to everyone who said he couldn't. He still didn't have anything in the tank. He said, no, I got some more in the tank. The team's not where it needs to be, but I got some more in the tank. Uh, but we're talking about teams who are having fallen off an edge at the end of the season. We have to mention the Eagles.
We have to mention how bad the Eagles have looked these last few weeks. We have to mention that this team offensively and especially defensively has just fallen off a cliff. And now they are under some of the same problems that you have in in Jacksonville, that you keep putting Jalen Hurts out there. And he's clearly not 100% Jalen Hurts. And now part of that is that he is, you know, that he wants to go out there and play and you don't think you have the other option at the at quarterback and you didn't want to put Marcus Mariota in there, which you finally had to in this game. And part of it, people are saying that he just does isn't the guy. But I think this is another place of a quarterback that's a good quarterback with 100% of their faculties, 100% of their weapons available. They are a good quarterback. Not elite, but a good quarterback. And once you start to take that away and you take off 10% and 20% and 30% of their abilities to play the game of football, it becomes cost prohibitive. And you go, it's better to let them rest up. So when the playoffs, when we get down to the end of the season and we're playing in week 17, week 18, and these games matter, and these games we got to win, and we have an easy schedule, let them, we'll lose a couple. I get it. We'll lose a couple, and it'll come back because they're going to get healthier. And maybe it won't work, and maybe they won't get healthier. But if you're playing good at the end of the season and you're still in the seed you are right now, you feel a lot better than you're playing like crap at the end of the season because nothing seems to be going right. And if this is not the end of Matt Patricia having any sort of substantial position in football or in the NFL, I mean, I don't know what you can find about a guy who's all of his success. His only success as a head fo- or as a coach in the NFL comes with Bill Belichick. It comes when he was a defensive coordinator and a defensive position coach on a team that notoriously Bill Belichick runs everything on. That notoriously Bill Belichick shares none of his secrets on. That notoriously Bill Belichick does not care what the other about the coaches underneath him. He just coaches, goes out there and coaches. And I think Bill Belichick loved the fact. That Patricia took all the credit. He said, oh, no, yeah, you're doing it, buddy. You're doing a great job. And so then he walks into Detroit and sucks as a head coach in Detroit. And he goes and, you know, he sucks when he goes back to New England trying to do offense where Bill Belichick wasn't taking over. And he sucked everywhere else he's been. And now he goes to Philadelphia and give credit to Shane Steichen and, and Gannon that those guys that go in and took head coaching jobs, they did matter. Clearly, both those guys were important pieces. But you bring him in as an analyst and like an assistant just to help out. And what does he do? He doesn't bring the team together. He doesn't galvanize this Eagles team. And judging by the fact that he took over play calling duties, I would imagine there might have been some gossip and some trash talk about his coaches that was happening behind the scenes. Because that's normally how these things happen. If someone walks around and goes, well, if I was doing it, I'd be doing that. Well, if I was. You know, when I was at the Patriots, we did it this way. No, you know, when we were successful, we did it this way. And I, and I would do this. And Sirianni, who just wants to fix the defense and, and, and stop the bleeding, cuts the head off of him to stop the bleeding. I don't know what happened, but he puts Matt Patricia in, and they become the worst defensive team. They're just awful now. The Giants, the Giants, who have nothing to play for, put up 27 against them, made it look easy against them. Why do you let Matt Patricia be that guy? Why do you let somebody come in and take over this team and take over this defense that clearly the players don't want to play for? 
that no one on this defense seemed to be putting out the extra effort. And now you're in the playoffs, and man, Sirianni, you better have some real good ha- some speeches, and you better go in there. And, and look, I, I, if I was me, I would not have Matt Patricia. I would make another change. He says he's not making another change. I would make another change personally because I have no faith in Matt Patricia at this point because I've never seen him do anything without Bill Belichick doing it for him. It's like saying, man, this Stephen King's son's a great writer because of all his papers turned in. Well, maybe it's Stephen King. Maybe, maybe it's the maybe it's the other person. He hasn't done anything. I'm not saying like I don't know Matt Patricia personally. I don't want to take any shots of him being a bad person. I just don't think that I think that he has been bad on every team he's been in without the, without Bill Belichick. That is a fact. So if we want to put that that every team has been worse with Matt Patricia than with him, I don't know why you'd put him on your team because clearly something's there. And as a as a Texans fan who watched my the Patriots South destroy my team's culture and destroy everything about the team, I think there's some bad things happening in that New England locker room about deceit and mistrust that maybe these players aren't buying in. Maybe these players aren't buying in. That's all I'm saying. I get rid of them. But I don't think the Eagles have much of a shot in the playoffs as of right now because of this. We also saw the Bills and the Dolphins play the late-night game. Josh Allen does what Josh Allen does. He makes everybody in the world tweet out that he's cost his team a game and he's cost his team even more. And, oh, man, look at all the problems that Josh Allen has. And, man, this guy, he can't get it done. And then he wins the game. And, yeah, Tua had two interceptions. Josh Allen turned the ball over two touchdowns and a fumble. Two interceptions and a fumble. But he has 359 yards at the end of the day, 67 yards rushing. He just does it all. And it's he does it all, including turnovers. And eventually that comes back and bites you. But against a Miami team that's a little beat up, a Miami team that's a little hurt right now and defensively, he's able to do enough. And Tua wasn't. And you, man, and you just watch Josh Allen. You understand why people talk about him so much and why people want to see him so much. Is that guy is entertaining whether he's throwing the ball away and giving it to the other team, fumbling, or playing good offense, he's entertaining to say the least. Excited to see him in the playoffs. I, I, I he's one of those teams you just you kind of want to play the Bills because you feel like if you just don't turn the ball over, if you just play solid football, you can beat them. But then nobody's able to really do that, and the people are doing it earlier. And then Josh Allen takes into that next level. You just like to see it. It's crazy to watch what he does. It's crazy, but it's going to make for a good playoffs. Uh, we've also seen, well, you know, I'll get, we'll get to the coaches and the fired in a little bit. We'll get to some predictions in a little bit. Uh, one more thing to notice, though, uh, just because it is a massive topic of conversation today, uh, was the Saints and the end of the game. Jameis Winston doing Jameis Winston things. His post-game interviews were hilarious. And look, I don't agree with it. I think it was, I think Jameis Winston should have, if he wanted to do it, he should have audibled out of the play, but he knows that Dennis Allen would have called a timeout. And I know they say it's a full team decision. I I don't know if it was a full team decision. I'm going to say I could believe that the way Jameis Winston, especially how he's talking after the game, is one of those guys who I've been guilty of this. I've been guilty of, hey, where do you want to go to dinner? And I know where I want to go, and we're going where I want to go. And guess what? I can talk well enough that we're, well, I picked the place, and we're going. But I'll make you think that we picked the place. And I'll say it, and everybody's going to go. And then they'll talk later and go, hey, man, did any of us want to go there but Patrick? No, no one did. But Patrick made it a team decision. I think James Winston may have made this a team decision 
by himself. Hey, man, <laughs> us guys who aren't getting the playing time, we really need some love. Us guys who aren't getting – hey, us teammates need to stick together. Look, I, I'm happy for – Jamal, that he gets in there. We all like Jamal. He seems like a fun guy. We went from hard knocks last year. He seems like a good enough guy. It's crazy that they couldn't get him a touchdown another way. It's crazy the team couldn't go to Dennis Allen throughout the game and say, hey, man, we're winning. We're doing okay. Why don't we get him a touchdown? It seems like that would have been the easier path. If you really, really want to get him a touchdown, it seems like you might be able to go to the head coach and say the team has decided. We, have, we had a team meeting, and we decided we really want him to get in the end zone today. So if we're up a bunch, call the play, and it'll make all your players like you. But instead, we're going to go behind your back and do it. Makes it feel like Jameis Winston maybe went out on his own and went a little rogue, and he's going to claim the team because he knows no one's going to fight him on it. And it maybe seems like Dennis Allen does not, not necessarily have control of the team. Now, I'm not saying you need to get rid of Dennis Allen. I mean, I probably would have just because I don't, I don't know if he's the guy to lead you anywhere. I like the idea better that you don't want to. You're not going to get the coach you want next year because of uh, Derek Carr's contract still being there. There's still some progress, but it's just a hard decision to make between Derek Carr and keeping him another year. That maybe I don't do that. Uh, but man, look, it, it's a bush league move to line up uh, in the victory formation and then run the ball. We all know that. Uh, I whether it became as big of a deal as it should have. I don't. I don't know if I would have made it a bigger deal. I if I was, if I was owners of the Saints, I would have made it a big deal that how this get done. And if I'm Dennis Allen, I'd make it a huge deal. Why would you not tell me? We could have got him a touchdown. We were winning big. We could have done something to get him the ball. We could have tried to get the ball. And if you want to make this team decision, why does someone take a knee at the one yard line and we try and run him in that way? Why don't we do that? Don't give me the B because it's only a team decision when you run up score. And I get you don't care about the Falcons, so why not do it? But I, I, it just doesn't seem – it doesn't stack up completely in the narrative that, oh, man, we're just a good team. Tell your coach then. Or tell the media that your coach – you don't have respect for your coach because it can't be both. You can't have respect for Dennis Allen and not tell him that he needs to get a touchdown. You can't have both. Those are, those are mutually exclusive. They're not mutually exclusive. You have to have both of them, right? You, you, you have to be there to be able to talk to your coach and say, we really, really want our guy to get a touchdown. Or you have to – Go behind his back and do it because you don't think that he's going to do anything for you. You think you're still on the roster and do all that. I, I, I think there's somewhere in there, you know, I, I'm all for player empowerment in a lot of ways, but this doesn't, it feels wrong. I think Arthur Smith reacted wrong too, by the way. I, I think that you just walk out there at the end and go, yeah, we got beat. I'm probably getting fired. I'm not going to go make, an, make a, a joke of myself at the end. I wouldn't do that either because uh, I'm not that mad about it. I'm more mad if I was a Saints fan. Man, that's what's happening in our locker room. It would make me more mad for that. Uh, let's get to Patrick's Big Fat Poll. Take a quick break, and we'll come back, uh, get to some of your texts. We'll get to some uh, more talk. we got more NFL talk, too. There's a lot happening in the NFL. we got some playoff predictions, uh, coaches being fired. Who knows who could get fired during the show today? But let's get to Patrick's Big Fat Poll today. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the day on the horn. All right. Big fat poll today. Today, text line is open. 512-447-3776. We're going to talk some Texas football here in the 5 o'clock hour. So I want to ask you, where do you think Texas should be ranked to start next season? We're starting to see some way too early polls. I want to throw my ad in there in way too early polls. Some of that Texas around 5 or 6. Some people have them up at 2. We know there's still a lot of moving parts. We'll get into that. I'll play some sound from uh, Ian Robbie that they're talking about it. We'll, play, we'll talk about it ourselves in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll talk with you on the text line with it all show long. 
Where do you think Texas should be ranked to start next season as of right now? And you can assume that Quinn Ewers is coming back or you can assume he's leaving. You, I'd like you to put if you say, oh, I don't think he's coming back and all that. But put all that in there. 512-447-3776. If you got any playoff predictions for the NFL and if any score predictions or play and predictions for tonight's game, throw those in as well. All in the text line. Anything else you want to talk about? You know we're here for you on the sports complex. We're gonna take a quick break. We come back, play some sound from Hook'em Up with Ian Rob B talking about Texas, give you a little bit more informed uh details about those decisions and where you think they should be ranked. We come back here on the sports complex in the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Back on the Sports Complex here on the Horn on a Monday afternoon. I still got some more NFL to get to. We'll see if we can get to it by the end of the show. We'll pick it up again tomorrow. Uh, as we keep going, we're going to play some sound, uh, talking some Texas football. Uh, and uh, Ian Robbie this morning talking Texas football and uh, what they saw and what the news and notes uh, over the weekend were with a lot of news. I know we had news breaking at the end of the show on Friday, so a lot of that, picking that up, kind of thoughts about that. Uh, always good to get their opinion on that, so we'll play some of that. Uh, text lines open, 512-447-3776. Uh, we're asking a poll today. Where do you think Texas should be ranked to start next season? And also throw in there your predictions for tonight and any playoff predictions for the NFL that you may have had as well. Uh, it is the musical theme of the week, David Bowie. It's David Bowie's birthday today, or would be his birthday today. So we're going to play some David Bowie all week. I know it's also Elvis's birthday today, and it's Jimmy Page's birthday tomorrow. I had to make a choice. I went with David Bowie. Uh, you know, I, I think it goes, I mean, I'm probably listening to more Led Zeppelin than Bowie, to be quite honest, but, you know, I thought that the Zeppelin intros could be good, but they're, some of them are kind of slower starting and we go through, so I, I went with, I went with Bowie, see if we get, we'll see how weird we get into Bowie, uh, throughout this week, but we'll play the be behind Bowie songs all week long, celebrating his birthday, uh, Text lines open 512-447-3776. I did, Chan, I will say we will be talking Texas basketball in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, we'll be talking about that uh, game that was not great. So watching that and the Texans game and going back and forth, and then I'd go back and watch some of the Texans ga- Texas game again, which is never fun. Never fun to have to rewatch a loss and go back and go, what really went wrong? It was ne- never fun. Uh, but we'll get into all that. Uh, but why don't we play some sound from Hook'em Up with Ian Rob B.? talking uh, about some Texas news and notes and everything you should be able to get out of uh, Texas football to kind of get you caught up to date. We'll talk more Texas football here on the show in the 5 o'clock hour, uh, and we'll keep it going. But here's a replay from Hook Em Up with Ian Robbie this morning. All right, let's talk about the mini headlines uh, that the uh, Longhorns had over the weekend, and there were a ton of them. First of all, just trying to keep up with the transfer portal. Um, okay, over the weekend, you had multiple players uh, announced they were going into the transfer portal, Jaron Thompson and Keaton Crawford. So that adds now to the already four defensive backs you had in the transfer portal. Now y'all believe you have six total. 
if I'm not mistaken, Jaylen right? Jalen Catalan, B.J. Allen, Larry Turner, Gooden, Keaton Crawford, Jaron Thompson. Yeah, so that's five. Six, five or six, yeah. Yeah, six of them total. Yeah, Keaton, Rosavian, uh, Jalen, Larry Turner, Goodson, B.J. Allen. And so you got six of them total. Five safeties, mm-hmm. I believe, that group. Because uh, I believe Xavier Price was the only one that was just considered a DB. Um, so five safeties. Um, and with, you know, guys, Ryan Watts now leaving at, at corner. He's declining for the NFL draft. So now in total, you're talking about, what, uh, six, eight, eight DBs potentially? If Jaday Barron leaves, now this is why the question is big about Jaday Barron. Now the question looms even bigger. So yeah, you got with six, Ryan Watts saying, I'm going yes, to the pros. So you got six DBs in the transfer portal, five of those safeties. Ryan Watts, that makes seven DBs total of all your DBs, your scholarship DBs that are leaving. And if Jaday Barron leaves, that's eight. That's a lot. I don't – that's – that's a lot. That's a that's a lot of attrition in your defensive backfield, no matter which way you're looking at it. Seven is a lot anyway. And those seven, you'd have how many starters? Two. Ryan Watts a starter. Jaron Thompson was a starter. Keaton Crawford was a contributor, semi-starter for you. So maybe two and a half starters out of that group. They wanted Jalen Catalan to be a starter, but um, you could say he did have four starts. But I don't know if you can call him a starter because he didn't start enough games to be that guy. So you did lose, um, I'd say, four of those seven that you're losing for sure, maybe eight if today Baron declares, are actually contributors and are starters. So that's why in the transfer portal, you saw them go get Makuba. That's really important. And in this recruiting class, as you brought up several times, E, they are looking, this is the, you know, they're overhauling the defensive backfield. As I talked about, the last area of roster construction that they really haven't addressed is the defensive backfield. That's what this recruiting class is about with five defensive backs. Now these guys got to contribute right away. Um, it used to be they, they, they had time, the luxury of being able to sit those guys and have them really, you know, kind of develop and acclimate and adapt to, you know, college life, all that. I don't know if you'll have time for all of those DBs to do that. Uh, one or two of those guys are going to have to help you immediately, right now. Yeah, and with the, the official declarations of, to the draft, you mentioned uh, Jade Barron. This is one to watch because, look, your top five guys into the draft, these are going to be top 100 draft picks. Jonathan Brooks at running back, Xavier Worthy, and Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, J.T. Sanders. J.T. Sanders announced on Friday he's going to the pros. Uh, Jade Barron and uh, A.D. Mitchell have not yet announced. They've got till the 15th, Rod, so they still have a full week, to, you know, a lot of time. Jordan Whittington has said his goodbye. Jalen Ford is off to the NFL. Uh, we believe. Now, he has not declared either, but we assume he's going, right? He's pretty much said goodbye. No, Jalen Ford has. Jalen Ford has. Okay, yes. he did. He is. He is. Jordan Whittington yeah. has. Christian yeah. Jones. Yes. And Ryan Watts, who yes. declared yesterday. So that's nine. The two that have not, well, the three, if you put Quinn Ewers in there, somebody put out a nice, funny uh, tweet that uh, apparently Quinn Ewers has been hunting all week. He got a picture of him with a big old uh, deer, big old, big old antlers. I'm so sure he, they got wireless out there. Got a hot spot out there. I, that's what I don't because because with Jade Barron and a, a tweet. You know, somebody <clears throat> tweeted, yeah, he put out some pictures of some some uh, some protein he took yeah, down. You know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll some fresh the, protein. You know, where's the, where's the, the, the come the video to say you're coming back? That's all. You know that's all. Or we just assume he is. He's already. Yeah, you maybe know. You're right. He's like, why would y'all assume I'm leaving? But Ad <laughs> Mitchell is one that has not yet announced. Nor has Jade Barron. And your point of. Boy, how, how important he could be. And you said this earlier, but I'll let you pick up on it, that he, you know, could he want to show the NFL more versatility, uh, come back for another year and play safety with Andrew Makuba in the back end, with, with Derek Williams, with Michael Taft, and play a little more to show 
the versatility because we know what type of player Jade Barron is. I mean, he's a, but at the same time, just because they haven't announced yet doesn't mean they're not going to announce. Yeah. Uh, so the Barron news, I mean, that obviously looms large for Texas because out of all the losses that you you've had via, via you know guys declaring for the NFL draft or guys you know via the transfer portal leaving. Um, your program defensive backfield has been affected the most, and you are getting a lot of guys in the recruiting uh, recruiting class, and you're getting a lot of you're getting Makuba in the transfer portal. But still, uh, that would be an area of concern if Jade Barron comes back. That'd be a huge relief for Texas. Uh, you just brought up wide receiver. That's also uh, big for for Texas because you're losing Jay Witt, X Man. Casey Kane, Isaiah Nayor, remember, uh, Isaiah Nayor going to Nebraska, I believe it is. Casey Kane going to UNLV. Um, So, yeah, that's why the wide receiver position, because you're losing five wide receivers now. If A.D. Mitchell declares, which I think he will, there's no way A.D. Mitchell's coming back if he's considered a first-round pick. I don't know why he's taking so long to make his announcement. Uh, So maybe he is pondering. But, man, if you're, if you're going to be a first-round pick, if people projecting you to be a first-round pick, which they are for him, he could slide into the second because it's a deep wide receiver draft. Wide receiver is always really deep. It's the deepest position in football, in my opinion. That pushes him down. Um, but that's going to be a run on wide receivers in the first round. It's guaranteed. Uh, that's going to be a run. Could be even in the top ten to start early. So I think AD is going to end up being drafted at the bottom of the first, depending on how he runs, too. Now, if he's, if he's running slow – now, if, he, if he's over there on the Fort Acres and when they time them, he's running high four fives, then maybe you need to stay. Maybe you need to stay because – That'll you, drop it, you a round. It's going to drop you. That's going to drop you. It's going to drop you to low rounds. They, they don't like slow wide receivers. They just do not like wide receivers with slow foot speed. Now, I don't know if he has some, but do we know if he has – remember, do we know that he's a burner? I don't – right now, that's the big question mark on him. Can he run? We know his route running. We know his route running separation. Great. Body is... control is fantastic. Hands are great. Can he can he can he show that he can create separation with pure speed? He's a guy that's gonna make an NFL roster. There's no doubt. He will be drafted. There's no doubt. But drafted in the first round, you drafted on potential. You drafted on measurables. Will he run a fast forty? If he runs in the high four fours, low four fives, he's good. He's golden. If he doesn't, there's gonna be problems. They're gonna drop him. So I wonder if if he stays. I wonder if he's question. He's worried about his forty. And he's worried about, man, maybe I need to come back and work on my speed. Right now, uh, as we said earlier, by CBS Sports, he's listed as the sixth or seventh receiver. Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, Keon Coleman, Emeka Egbuka, uh, Roma Dunze, and then Adani Mitchell, or Adonai Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, but, if, you know, if you, right if, if you are running high four, five to four, six, that can slide quickly because the oh, next group are, you know, Xavier Worthy and uh, Moose Muhammad and some other guys. So, you know, because it, it's in a lot of cases outside of, you know, Marvin Harrison and Malik Neighbors, maybe Keon Coleman, it's kind of beauties in the eye of the beholder. It's who, mm-hmm. who fits your scheme, who fits your offense, yep. who fits what you want to do and what you're looking for. So we'll see uh, where that goes. But that has not announced yet. Uh, that's the one we'll be watching. Rod, any thoughts on these uh, two portal uh, prospects that are on campus. And oh, yeah, Jamari Caldwell, the Houston defensive lineman. Uh, he's, he's a good player. I mean, Texas saw him. He had two sacks versus Texas. So uh, he, he, he performed Six really well. 6'1", 325. And, of course, with the, uh, the portal jumping with Trill Carter, with Trill Carter jumping into the portal, uh, defensive line and also safety. Chris Ross. And Chris Ross. You had two, uh, two defensive linemen. And you're losing. Sweat Murphy. Sweat Murphy. Uh, got Collins Alfred back. Collins yeah. coming back. But that's one to watch. That, and that's four interior defensive linemen you're losing. So, yeah, that's something else you're going to prioritize in the transfer portal, especially a guy that can play right away because you are going to have 
unproven commodities behind Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton. Think about it. We all believe Vernon Broughton and Alfred Collins have a chance, at least Alfred Collins does, has a chance to play at the next level. Right? He's got a Sunday skill set, maybe for Vernon Broughton too. Right? He's trending that way. The last two years, you've had the luxury of having multiple, four, actually four to five <laughs> NFL defensive tackles, draftable NFL defensive tackles in rotation. Two years ago, you had Murphy, Sweat, Ojemo, and Coburn. Uh, last year, you had Murphy, Sweat, Alfred Collins, all right, and Vernon Broughton. This year, you're going to have Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, and who are your NFL guys behind them? That's the question, and that's why they want to have a more proven commodity. That's why Jamari Caldwell acquisition, if you can get them, is huge for Texas. Yeah, he was they need him. He's a very active interior player, 325 yeah, pounds at Houston. Uh, the other guy on campus, and according to Bobby Burton over at On Texas Football, our great friend and partner, um, he says that they're going to stay through today. Like, you come in on Sunday, you stay the night, come and stay in the Monday morning. Wish we had better weather. Wish we had better weather. <laughs> it was beautiful yesterday, by the way. Hey. Uh, but the other one is the Liberty wide receiver, uh, C.J. Daniels. And this yeah. was this was Liberty won a lot of football games. He was their leading receiver, Rod. 6'2", 200, 55 catches, almost 1,100 yards, 10 touchdowns last year. He was their leading receiver for the Flames. Yeah, he had uh, eight receptions versus Oregon. So uh, even in that game, he showed out pretty big. I, I think this is a guy that they're looking to get 21 yards per reception. I mean, this guy – he well, takes the top off of defense. And we said – a deep threat. The, the A.D. Mitchell story, you know, decision notwithstanding, you know, with Matt right, – right now, as far as players who, who, who are officially going to be here, Matthew Golden's your most experienced receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going you know, just, to – just like we're talking about, I mean, this is the development of your program. You're going to lose really good players if you're going to develop like they are. And, you know, a receiver where – just like we talk about defensive tackle and safety – uh, you're having to you know, develop some guys. Same at receiver, but at the same time, through the portal, if you can add a veteran player, right? They, they brought in Matthew Golden. Uh, this is a kid who at Liberty has produced, even against really good competition like Oregon, like you said, um, 21, just a veteran college football receiver to go with DeJounte Cooks, DeAndre Moores, you know, Ryan Niblett, those type of players who you know are going to be good players, you just don't know yet. Yeah. I mean, worst-case scenario, if you just look at basic roster construction – they're losing, worst-case scenario, eight defensive backs just via transfer portal or the NFL declaration or whatever, uh, or just uh, eligibility exhausted. Eight defensive backs at the worst, so they're going in the transfer portal, getting the DB. Uh, defensive line, they're going to lose four defensive linemen uh, this year. Uh, so out of that group, so they're getting a defensive lineman. Jamari Caldwell is the one they're targeting. Uh, wide receiver, they're going to lose five if A.D. Mitchell jumps in, worst-case scenario of your wide receivers group. That's why Matthew Golden and this young man, C.J. Daniels. So, you know, where they're losing a lot of key guys, where they're losing depth and they're losing just bodies, they're they're trying to get it. And the and, and way you supplement that is real time is via the transfer portal. Long term, uh, your strategy is obviously more organic recruiting. They're also going to lose Juan Davis, jumped in the transfer portal at the tight end position. Uh, and losing J.T. Sanders, that's a little concerning. Just he jumped th- back out, though. Did you see that? Did he jump back out? Yeah. No, Juan Davis, out. that was weird. He jumped in the portal and then came out. That was strange. Like, yeah. I don't know, you know, maybe tight ends coach Jeff Banks called him and said, hey, you know you have a chance to be a starter for us next year yeah. and with Gunnar Helm. I mean, you, you have a chance. And uh, uh, so Juan Davis was in and then out. That's good news. Um, and he and Gunnar Helm will be your top two tight ends next year, along with um, anything else that comes in. But yeah, I mean that's yeah. This is uh, this was why it was important this year, Rod, uh, without a doubt, to to capitalize on what was there, and they did. Right, they won the Big Twelve championship. They played in the, in the final four. They played that game to the final play. 
And, you know, so they, they took a big step forward as a program in year three. But, yes, you're going to have attrition now. I mean, you, you're developing players. This, this year's team was very talented with, with holdovers, guys who, who were here when you got here, and then the guys you developed and then you recruited. And so you're, that's, that's where there's a big number here of players moving on to the NFL. And then the ones in the portal, Rod, a lot of them, as you said, those exit interviews, maybe we're, we're, we're told, hey, uh, you know, we're, we're overhauling our secondary here, guys. Um, and maybe you don't fit where we're overhauling and where we're going. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you're losing a lot of players and names that people know. Uh, the hope is that you're at a point of your program that you're through the portal and through your high school recruiting, you're filling that with, with even potentially higher ceiling players. Yeah, I think they're upgrading the roster overall, but still you don't want to be caught without enough depth, enough talented depth at certain positions, and that would be the concern. I mean, I'm not worried about Texas having talent. They have talent there, but a talented depth, losing potentially eight DBs, I mean, that's that's a lot. That is a lot. In one acquisition Sure, 100%. So you want to make sure you're replacing that, and not just with freshmen coming in. You want some some veteran guys who got some experience. No question. Yeah. Good stuff there from Hook'em Up with Ian Rob B. You can listen to that every weekday morning, 6 to 11, right here on The Horn. Text lines open, 512-447-3776. We're asking where te- you think Texas will be ranked uh, next season. There's some early polls coming out. We're asking you about that. Uh, we're also asking you if you got any score predictions for tonight, maybe uh, playoff predictions. Send any of that in. Anything else you want to talk about there on the text line, 512-447-3776 is the text line number. It's open, and we're coming back and talking to the text line. We'll be answering your text uh, when we come back here on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex of the Horn. Back on the Sports Complex here on the Horn, playing Bowie all week because it's his birthday today or would have been his birthday, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're playing Bowie all week here on the Sports Complex. Uh, text line's open, 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Uh, whatever you guys want to talk about today, we're asking you uh, what do you think text will be ranked in the new poll in the next year? The way too early polls are starting to come out and people are starting to talk about next season already. We know there's still the transfer portals open and people are still deciding to go to the draft or not. And, you know, we're, we're still working on all of that. But there's some early polls. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. I uh, know so if you've got any predictions for tonight or the NFL playoffs, send those in as well. Going to the text line now. Uh, Nate says, ha ha ha, stupid Eagles. Uh, yes. Yes, uh, they've they've seemed to have shot themselves in the foot this year. But, you know, playoffs are at the start of a new season. Maybe they can get something done there. Uh, And I put the Horns around number eight. I think number eight. So people are putting them higher than that. You know, it depends on who you're going to put ahead of them. I think, you know, Oregon's one of those teams that probably will get put pretty high. Uh, You know, Ohio State's always up there. Georgia's always up there. Alabama's always up there. Michigan, depending on uh, how much of an exodus there is, Especially if Harbaugh leaves too, but we'll get into that more later. Uh, there's a you know there's not a ton of teams that are necessarily going to be automatically ahead of Texas, 
So, uh, hey, but I, hey, not a bad number. Not a bad number. Uh, Dexter asks, which team winning tonight in the college ball playoff will help or hurt Texas in the final poll? Well, clearly if Washington uh, destroys Michigan, it helps Texas. And if Michigan destroys Washington, then it hurts Texas. But at the end of the day, I don't, first of all, I don't see that happening. Uh, we'll get into that more here in the 5 o'clock hour. I don't, I don't see that either. I don't think there's going to be a blowout. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know if it'll affect too much. But clearly, Washington winning would be better for Texas in the final polls because then you lost to the national champion. Uh, then you lost to the, the team, and then Alabama may look better, and then you get back in that poll. Does Alabama Was Alabama better at the end of the season than Texas was? And you can get back into that fight, and then where, wherever they're going to put Florida State for giving them credit for the beginning of the season, even though they got destroyed 63-3 at the end of the season by Georgia. Where do you put Georgia in that poll now? That they lost to Alabama, but seemed to be pretty dominant the rest of the season. Where do you put them? But yeah, and I mean, the end of the season poll isn't necessarily the biggest factor. I think you know once once you would get into that college ball playoff, I'm not as concerned about that final poll because it was like well, we had the shot and we were a couple passes away from it. Uh, it's still disappointing. I know everybody. It's hard to explain to people that are you know I have friends that are you know uh, Michigan fans, and you talk to uh, uh, you talk to. Washington fans and, and they're super excited. They're like, you excited for the game? I'm like, I'm gonna watch the game. But excited, maybe not. Maybe not super excited because I really wish my team was in it. Like and we were so close. I wish my team was in it. So not super excited. But you know, who knows? Uh but uh yeah, but if you want to go with that, that's what I would say. Right guy from New Mexico says, uh if Quinn if if Quinn were to stay, then I feel like we're a top eight team. If he leaves, and I think we're placed somewhere within the top fifteen. You got to remember, there's Arch Manning hype too. I, I, I really, and we'll talk about this a lot more here in the five o'clock hour. It's secondary. The secondary is the question at this point. And how do you rebuild that defense? That's a bigger question. I think offensively, people are still going to believe in Sark's offense, even if it's Archie. You know, even with not, you know all the the targets leaving, you still have some good running backs on that team. I don't know if the offense is necessarily a problem, but there's a lot. You just heard it on that clip from Hook'em Up with Ian Robbie that there's a lot of that secondary leaving. And Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy are leaving. And Jalen Ford is gone. Like, that is a lot of people to replace on that defense. And how can you, how quickly can you turn that defense back around and get them playing to a level where you can compete in the SEC? I think that's the bigger question uh, when we start to look at the rankings the next season. I don't know if they're going to take, they're going to dock them too much. Uh, for Sark because they just believe in uh, Sark. Uh, uh, Chan says, uh, uh, no one on the Dolphins' defense wanted to tackle him. Uh, Josh Allen bulldozes his way to a first down. And yeah, no, look, no one wants to tackle Josh Allen because he is a the only quarterback that will go initiate the contact like that. Jalen Hurts does a little bit, but Josh Allen is is nuts out there. But that's it's what he is. He's kind of an anomaly, and people try to base other guys and Trey Lance and other people are like, well, if, if Josh Allen's able to do that, then my goal, not many people can have three turnovers and still lead your team down to win the game. Just not very common. Uh, still got some more texts coming too. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. Uh, we will get to, we'll finish up. We'll keep going with the text messages, 512-447-3776. And we will also get into some Texas talk, Texas football talk, uh, all the news over the weekend. And we'll also get into Texas basketball, what they did. We'll have some NBA talk as well. And of course, national championship talk all coming up here on the sports complex in the Horn 109 AM 1260, the Horn app, hornfm.com.